This is David H.K. from Ninth Revival, Robot Gods, and Grim Crow, and you're listening to the greatest podcast on Earth, Backstage with Spike on Anchor FM. creator. Anything that you want, you can build here. This is your world. Your dreams come real here. Hey, all right, everybody. Welcome backstage with Spike. This is episode 45. That intro song you just heard, that's from my boys in Brain Cell. Check them out. I am very happy, man. I am here with Mr. Lonnie Hammer, founding member and the whole brainchild behind Hammer Down Hard. Lonnie, what's happening, brother? Hey, Spike. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, a true honor to get finally uh, get a chance to talk to you. How are things in Florida? <laughs> You're too kind, man. It's great down here. Doing all right. You know, shorts and flip-flops every day. You know, I'm running out of <laughs> suntan oil and sunblock, but uh, I'm totally digging it, you know. You're over yeah. You're in Memphis, right? Yeah, Memphis. Yeah, it's uh, weather's not too, uh, not too bad here. It's not like florida but it's right. not like uh the upper peninsula of michigan where i'm from you know we get big yeah. snow country but, oh yeah um, it's nicer yeah it's like when i first moved there but it's like you know ah you're gonna miss the seasons you know what's christmas you know what dude christmas christmas day we're in the freaking pool man hanging out it's awesome you can keep the snow and ice i don't miss that shit at all <laughs> i hear you brother i'm down <laughs> talking about memphis like you know I, I i spoke to a couple of other bands um like abby k and these guys like memphis is a pretty big like metal like rock in town huh um well it's got its it's it's got its heritage you know it's got the you know the old rock and roll the Elvis thing and uh, a lot of the funk and uh you know it's got its uh it's got its flavors. Uh, the metal thing, you know, uh, you know, I like to consider uh, Hammer Down Hard uh, the moniker of the new metal, um, you know, the new Memphis metal. So, uh, um, and, you know, hey, we're, we're trying to make a scene. Um, there's a lot of great bands and stuff around here. It's just that, you know, uh, last year and a half, two years, you know, with the, all the uh, crazy stuff that's been going on and, you know, everything kind of slowed down for everybody. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of great talent here, and uh, I'm proud to be from Memphis. Yeah, because a lot of times, like when people talk about Memphis, I think right away country music, bluegrass, all that type of stuff. You know, it shows how little I know. And then I hear that these bands are actually moving to set up shop in Memphis. I'm like, wow, really? Yeah, well, you know, well, that's Nashville. You know, gets a lot of that. And uh, I mean, you know, Nashville has definitely got a lot of uh, uh, the L.A. 
artists and stuff move there okay and nashville's um hitting pretty heavy you know as far as like the entertainment industry and the music and it's changed a lot of it is country and western bluegrass stuff like that but there's a lot of hard rock and stuff coming out of tennessee now and uh you know we're just a hop skip and jump away from uh nashville like a couple hours so um i enjoy you know i mean uh memphis got some really cool stuff right i mean i'm originally from new york and you know i mean i used to play CBGBs, Lamores, all that type of stuff. And I didn't realize it till you know, I was a kid then. And now that I'm old, I'm like, wow, New York really was like a Mecca for this type of music. And, you know, you didn't realize it when you're 17, 18 years old, you know? Yeah, say Lamores again. Say that again! Lamores. Yeah, say my uh, manager, Kim Allegreza, she's from New York. And okay. she's talked about that that place and stuff. So, uh, anyways, yeah, nice to actually hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was as a kid. You know, it's like again, your your, your fantasy was to play Madison Square Garden. You know what I'm saying? But your realistic right dream was to go, move up from clubs like Zappas and all these clubs that used to hand out tickets. You know, and get maybe a dollar a ticket from the you know that was turned up to the doorman. To play Lamores was, you know, the shit. That's like you made it as far as, you know, that was your first realistic dream. You know, we opened up for Twisted Sister back in the day when I was a kid, you know. Imagine, right you know, five yeah. bands before they went on, we went on, you know. But that was like, you know, oh, my God, you know, these nights next door to us, you know. That, that yeah, was the absolutely. shit to us, you know. Yeah, well, you know, um, uh, we'll dive more into it later on, but uh, uh, Luke Cavaris, he's from New York. He was a guitar player for Riot. He played on my first record. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, But yeah, he, uh, um, yes, New York is great stuff. Yeah, I mean, for, for people don't know, I mean, you played around. I mean, you were with Jack Russell's Great White, right? Every Mother's Nightmare, yep. Black Oak, Arkansas. Yep. I mean, you got an impressive yep. resume, man. Oh, thank you. You know, I'm I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, you know, but I yeah. just I just got to do what I got to do, and uh, you know, I mean, I think it's innate behavior. I can't uh, change it. You know, I mean, there's been times I want to just, you know, well, man, enough is enough, and uh, I need to just, you know, stop. But you can't. You know, I just uh, like I said, I'm a glutton for punishment. You know. Yeah, I mean, I've walked away from this a couple of times, but then it always, you know, I sold everything, got rid of everything, no guitars, no amps, nothing. And then wow. like three or four years later, it's like, uh, you find yourself in Guitar Center, you know, you buy a used Ibanez for 300 and all of a sudden you're back into it, you know? You, right you, on. It's in our DNA. You can't stop it. <laughs> exactly. I think what's right more on. impressive, I mean, you got some like major talent, like, you know, in, 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 your, in your band with you. Yeah, you know, I've been... Uh, uh, like, everybody in your band's very, got an impressive resume like you. It's like, holy shit. Yeah, we got some good guys. You know, we got uh, Mike Dover, uh, was my drummer. He played with Sebastian Bach, and uh, he and uh, uh, a bass player, The Beast. He uh, was with Saving Abel, and uh, he's done a lot of different things. And, uh, um, you know, it's just... And my other guitar player, uh, he was just uh, a cat just around town. And, uh, you know, he, it's great to have him, you know, some, some fresh blood and stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, you just start, you know, the more and more you're in a business, more and more people you meet and more and more that you find that you have a lot in common with. Right. And, and that's what it is. It's networking. So. But thank you. Yeah, I got some good people. I found what makes this a more enjoyable ride, so to speak, is you surround yourself with good people. Not so much the best of talent, but just good people. You know what I'm saying? That like-minded and they want to succeed and they want to do well. That makes this, you know, so much more enjoyable as a ride, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, life is already tough enough as it is. Yeah. You know, don't be an asshole. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to play with assholes either. Yeah. And I've always looked at it as like, again, like whether you make it or you don't make it, you know, we all have jobs. We all got responsibilities. We got responsibility, family and all that stuff. So to me, this has got to be fun. If this is not fun, then it's not worth doing it no more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. This shouldn't be a full letter word like work. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you got you just got to keep doing your thing, you know? Yeah. So you started out as a drummer. Is that what you originally, was that your first instrument when you were younger? You were a drummer? Yeah. I was playing drums since I was six years old. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, once I graduated, I mean, I played, I mean, look, I had made a living playing drums. I think my first show I was 12 years old. And by the age of 14, you know, I was playing, you know, every weekend or every other weekend, at least, you know, and I was making, you know, $50, $100 a night back then. And, uh, um, it, you know, so I've always, you know, made a, a decent living playing music. And once I graduated, I went on the road. I toured all over the country, you know, in Canada with a band called Toy Jester, which was from uh, my hometown of Wakefield, Michigan. And uh, we toured around and then we ended up relocating down to Memphis, Tennessee. And, um, you know, just later on the band, you know, uh, I, I left the band and the band split up. And uh, a lot of this is something I never talked to anybody about. But uh, one of our guitar players from uh, Toy Jester, his name is Skid Mills, and he's a uh, he's a producer on Nashville. But he's he's done a lot of big stuff. And, um, you know, he recorded, you know, Saving Abel's uh, record and was a co-writer to um, Addicted and, and all kinds of good stuff. But, um, yeah, he was a uh, <clears throat> uh, he and I moved here together with the band. And uh, but yeah, we just uh, like we're just marching forward. And so, what brought on the transition though? Like, what brought you now from not playing drums to being the front man? Was that out of necessity? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, what, or is that something you just felt like changing it up? Well, uh, for me, it was what I, when I was uh, uh, a drummer. Every band I was in, I was usually kind of the, uh, you know, let's say band leader, but more of the the guy that just try to take care of uh, the band business and stuff because that's how I was hard hardwired, and a lot of drummers are. And then, then as things went on, you know, when you start playing with everybody, and later on, like you know what, um, you know, the, the lead vocalist and guitar players always get the glory of everything. Right, right. You know, it, seemed, it seemed like I was doing a lot of the work, and yep. you know, as I was still, uh, you know, the, the the you know the third wheel or whatever and um i don't know and i just i just didn't um i thought there's more to the music industry than just writing song and playing out and stuff i had my own desire and my own um uh, vision what a lead vocalist should be and music should be and so i, I parted ways with everyone's nightmare and i jumped on uh uh i i me and my manager, uh, <laughs> we put the band together, but it, it got put together by me making a call to uh, a promoter friend of mine. I said, hey, I got a new band called Hammerdown Hard. I'll do it again in Rockfest, you know, in Kadot, Wisconsin. And uh, and uh, so anyways, he goes, uh, send me an email. I did. And he goes, you're in. And so I called my manager, Kim, and I said, hey, um, I just booked this in uh, Kadat, Wisconsin for a rock fest and rock fest is a huge thing. It's like 50,000 people to play there. And, and the thing is, she goes, okay. Cause at that point, all I had was the name hammered on heart. I didn't have one song written. I, I didn't it. have not one, not one member. All it was is just an idea. Right. And I threw it out there. Uh, I booked it on my own merit. Right. Uh, and then uh, I told Kim, I said, man, 
we booked us for Rockfest. And she goes, oh, okay. I said, by the way, I'm not playing drums. I said, I'm being lead vocalist. <laughs> <laughs> and she, you know, she's never really, uh, she, you know, was my man, my personal manager as a drummer. And, uh, um, <laughs> but that's how much somebody believes in you. She goes, all right, um, you can, you can do it. And, you know, she, she lived, uh, in, like DC, Baltimore area, and you know, right. I'm in Memphis and stuff. You know, this just Kim Allegreza, right? Yeah, Kim Allegreza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but she stuck by me, and then uh, we went in the studio and cut the pilot song, uh, "Who I Am." But to answer your question, is just that's how it all started. I just, you know, sometimes it's good to just take your life and just shake it up a little bit. You know, find something, take take a risk. You know, life is nothing but right. a bunch of risks. What I appreciate, though, is like, and again, you took charge, you know what I'm saying? You knew where you wanted to go, you had a direction, and you did it. One of the things I always hate about being in a band, in a four- or, or five-piece band, you know, it's like you have five different opinions, and sometimes like a dog chasing his tail, nobody makes a decision unless somebody steps up and says, listen, this is what we're going to do, you know what I'm saying? Or we're not doing that, we're doing this. I always yeah, hated absolutely. that, like, everything goes to a vote, and it's like, but nobody, nothing ever gets done. It's like, so... What you decide is, you know what? I know what I want to do. I got a vision. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to. And this is how we're going to do it, and we'll do it. Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, you. You hit the nail on the head. Um, it's just uh, when you play in bands, like I said, I did a lot of the booking, and you know, and 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 just the, the management type of deal. You right. Know? You did all uh, the like work, all the dirty work. Yep. Yeah, all that, you know, travel logistics and all this kind of thing. And I was all just, I was go get, go get, and go get. And then, but a lot of times when you make, you say, an opportunity, uh, you know, just say it could be a show or some kind of event and stuff. Well, I'd send a text out and one guy, you know, say there's five guys in the band, one guy would get back, you know, 10 minutes later, one would maybe get back to you at the end of the day. The other one might be a day later and the other one might not even get back to you. All right. By then the opportunity is lost. Now, if something pops up now, I could just say, yes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I got better opportunities because, um, you know, I can make this decisions without really running it across the board, um, and just go, you know, make the call, you know? So it's a, it's a very good thing for and any situation. You talk about like Twisted Sister, I think D Schneider did, but, uh, you know, he just took command of things along with JJ French. French, yeah. I, I learned this, you know, you're dealing with musicians and stuff like that. Some of them are, you know, professional. Some are just like uh, quirky and right, and, right, right. And they're artists. You know, artists usually don't have their their shit together. You know, but uh, um, uh, I say that loosely, but it's the truth. You know, because they're 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 different type of people, and that's because they're creative and uh, that's how they roll. Well, that's that's the thing is, uh, I was a, a studio cat for many years. You know, play I played in tons of records. You know, and I was hired I, like I was one of the go-to guys when uh, they needed drum tracks uh, cut at like Art and Studio and some of the studios in town. And um, you know, I know my place. When I got hired to go in there, and I felt bad for some of these drums. I walk in there, the drummer's right there, and they hire me because he can't play something. And I, you know, I. Just walk by peacefully past him, and then he, you know, he'd leave the room, and I'd cut the track, and then I'd leave, get my money, and go. And uh, um, it, you know, I didn't sit there and go, "Well, I think you should do this." What if one of the guitar players, right, 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 you know, this? I think you're playing. You know, yeah, you just go in and you you let the producer or the songwriter, whoever did, and go say, "This is what we'd like you to do." Um, 
or I, they'd had me jam through the stuff. You know, I go through like two or three times just to the, you know, playing to the scratch guitar tracks and I play it. They go, okay, I like this here, but on this part here, let's, let's uh, cut it half time or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So I, you know, so that's basically how it works. So you're absolutely right. You know, he's, you know, I knew where my place was and, and being. See, but that's why I think the problem is that some of these musicians, they don't know their place. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they, they, there's more honor in saying like, listen, you're better at this than I am. So maybe you should take the lead on that, you know? So listen, before we get too far along here, uh, I want people to hear some of your music that aren't familiar with you. Um, Cephalopod, tell me like, what, what's the story behind this song? We're going to play this one next. Well, well, Cephalopod is basically, um, uh, and I write a lot about life things, um, you go through life and there's always people out there to try to pull you, pull you down or pull you under and, and try to, you know, knock you down and keep you down. And that's what, you know, cephalopod is kind of like, uh, uh, about the Kraken, you know, it's, I just, I just, I, a couple things. I thought the word cephalopod is just badass. I had an idea about it and I was like, man, I want to make this word work in a song, which, you know, my producer was like, man, I don't know if you can do it. And I did it, but, um, it's just about uh, taking command of your life, you know, uh, shining down on rocky shores in lanes of vivid horizon. Just like somebody might be going through a lot of crap at one point, but, you know, you got to hold your head up, look at the horizon, you know, a story of folklore, uh, folklore gods calling out on you. So just go over there and just run for your dreams. And if anybody gets in your way, they mean nothing to you. Just forget about them or pull them under, you know, drown them, drown them under. So basically that's what the song is about. It's just like an empowerment song. Um, and, uh, you know, who, who doesn't like squids <laughs> and octopus? Yeah, right? <laughs> Whether you like eating them or just think they're cool, you know? Yeah, doing something different. And so, I mean, yeah, um, that's just basically the gist of the song. Well, when we come back from this, I want to talk about the video because the video is freaking incredible. So we're going to play right now uh, Cephalopod. Check this out. Survive! 
All right. So that was cephalopod. I got Lonnie got an extra question, man. So like, who's the mastermind behind the video? Well, it, well, it actually came down to, um, uh, it was uh, spring of 2020. Uh, my manager, Kim and I, we sat down and, you know, uh, started, uh, you know, brainstorming on what kind of direction we want to take the video of cephalopod to. And we did. So we, we got in and we actually had a different producer um, start recording it. And um, I mean, excuse me, a director rather. And it just uh, things didn't really go very well. I mean, it was just it was kind of we just had a shit can it because it, it just wasn't the caliber that, you know, we, we were at. OK, so um, my bass player, the beast, uh, Daniel Dwight, goes, man, I got a director friend of mine that. Uh, Let's contact him. So we called up the Brasco. Right. And uh, he loved the song. He's from what, Dirty South Entertainment? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And he, and he loved the song. He goes, let's do this. <laughs> right. So we, uh, we ran our ideas across with him. And then he took that and molded it and, and put his, his, his touch on it and shot some great stuff. Yeah. It was exciting. And it turned out. You know, I mean, it's it's a little movie. You know, in the beginning of the movie, there I, I let everybody, I let everybody in the theater and stuff like that. I'm wearing a red suit. Me, I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. And whatever, and uh, and the guys in the band are sitting on the crowd watching the movie, and they're watching me. And then I just, I, I, I you know, hypnotize them, and then they come on stage or come into the movie with me. So it's all. Uh, you know, it's an interesting concept. We had fun doing it, and I'm really proud of it. Um, Nebraska did a fantastic job, and a uh, great guy to work with, and uh, and uh, it was it was great. Very cool. You guys on Twitter and social media, you got any thoughts on? You're an old timer like me. What do you think about social media these days? Well, <clears throat> yeah, it's getting. I'm a Facebook guy. I always been, uh, okay. and now there's, you know, the Instagram thing. I was on that for a little while. I just, you know, it, it just seems gets kind of tiring after a while. I get kind of tired of watching everybody else, you know, do stuff. Um, uh, Twitter, I, I was on board with that for quite a while. I did a bunch of stuff and, um, I kind of got, uh, burned out. So I got, uh, uh, somebody to help us out with that is, uh, the helps with the Twitter account is Nancy. And, uh, she, she helps out a lot cause I just kind of ran out of time and, uh, I still go do stuff on it, but, uh, um, it's just, um, to me, it's a double-edged sword, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's, it's a great thing. It's time consuming. Yeah. And sometimes it gets a little over the top, but yeah. <laughs> look, it's very powerful. Yes, you know, it is. that's one thing you can reach. Look back in the old days, you know, we gained fans by meeting them, touring one by one. Literally, I remember going to, uh, you know, I'd be on tour. And what I always made a point of is I'd go out in the crowd and I talk to everybody at the table, sit down, shake their hands, ask them how they're doing stuff like that. And and to this point, to this day, I mean, that was a long time ago when I was doing all that touring and meeting people. This is way before cell phones and all that stuff. Meeting them literally one by one 
gaining the fans that way. Now that's there. That's hard. I remember having we used, we used to call it a street team. You'd have like like the pretty girls, like you know our girlfriends and stuff, go around with like um, a yellow um, pad, you know, and get people's phone numbers so you could call them up and have them like come to the next show. We used to do stuff yeah. like that. Sit with them, talk with them, have a beer, and then try and get mm-hmm. phone numbers and and shit like that. Yeah, and nowadays, you know, it's kind of. I guess it's good for for us to get a little bit older and stuff to get a little lazy. You don't have to get off your ass and work on fans, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But but well, I'll have to say this is you know I'm big on I, I always been big on social media, especially like Facebook stuff, you know, whatever. I mean, an older older musician cat or whatever. But you know what. <laughs> I made some great friends on Facebook and any all social media. I mean, look, I'm talking to you too. And um, you make a lot of great friends doing it, and I enjoy it. I almost think because you can really – usually fans are always interested in you, you, you. Well, it's the good thing about social media and being a, you know an artist like I am is I can actually uh, – see what the hell they're doing so maybe i might be a fan of their life i mean might, they might be talking they might be a, a fan of just say like german shepherds so or a big german shepherd guy yeah yeah. so you know so i can find a little bit more about these people and their their lives are interesting too some right. of these people's lives are way more interesting than mine you know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. that's what i'm thinking is i mean i i've come to the i know i'm not going to get famous i know i'm not going to get rich doing this you know what i'm saying what I'm enjoying when I get it is again, I got from all of this and social media and doing, I got to meet you. You know what I'm saying? We're having this cool conversation. I'm having a blast. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We start bonding. I mean, to me, this is what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is in very true. I mean, I got, I got some really good friends in Phoenix, you know, they just, uh, you know, people start to become fans of mine, but then they, they flip out that I actually respond back. That's right, that's right. one thing good. You know, a lot of people that are in the entertainment business don't really give a crap. Right. I mean, probably 95% of them could care less or they don't respond back. But, you know, I'm not that guy. I If somebody takes the time to reach out to me, it's like, okay, you know what? Um, right on. You know, I, you know, reach back out and stuff. I mean, Look, I mean, I made a lot of great friends on social media. It is a double-edged sword, like you said, um, but it's a lazy, you know, it's a lazy way to go about promoting yourself because back in the day, I did it the hard way, you know. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I remember making the cassette tapes and, you know, going to the studio and having them. We used to have, like, you know, 10 uh, cassette recorders on the rack. They would take the master and play that and record 10 cassettes at a time for you. And then, you know, making the inserts and going around trying to sell them. Nobody would buy them, so you gave them out. You know, like I said, you know, getting people's phone numbers. Now it's like, man, I just like, I can't believe that people in Germany listen to my music. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Cyprus, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah. it's, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So question for you, like, are you on a, a record label or are you doing this all on your own? I'm doing it all on my own. Okay, um, so you're in. We actually had we we actually had uh, when the first record came out, it was out for like uh, a couple months, and we had uh, a label. It was affiliated with Warner Brothers. Uh, it was a good label, and they uh, wanted to sign the band. And I've been on different labels, and, and this is the deal: when you sign record labels with a, uh, when you get a record deal. It's all about what they're going to do for you because, I mean, you – the way I look at it, you know, I write these these songs, which I think are great. Right. So I'm doing my job. Or my job is to make some good good and great music. And, and a lot of bands are, will sign with a label just to be signed. 
<clears throat> but then they, once they get you, they don't know what to do with you. And, and at, at this time, unless you're, uh, the right deal, it's a tour support's the biggest thing. I mean, I own my own tour bus. And I tell you what, anybody that has their own tour bus will understand and empathize. It's expensive. You know, it's not, it's not like you, you know, you got bus drivers and you got, when you're on, on tour. Yeah, you got gasoline, you got insurance, machine. you got all sorts of shit. Yeah, it's your trailers and a gear and the insurance, like you said, and you, there's always breakdown. It doesn't matter how old your bus is or how old your bus is. Everything on a bus, there's a million things that can go wrong, whether the TV's not working or the toilets, there's something wrong with the toilets or, 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 you know. It's like uh, a boat, man. Bring on another yeah. thousand. <laughs> Your king, your king, yeah, your kingpin goes out on your front axle, you know, on your front right. steering axles, and uh, you know, it's in the tires, you know, I mean, I, you know, cost cost me what five or seven thousand uh, dollars a year and a half ago to put new tires on Christine. That's my bus name, Christine, and so I mean, th that's very important with record labels, and then they take all your money, you know, uh, unless you go with the right deal which is uh, pretty hard to slim to none nowadays. But I figured, well, if I'm going to get my money and at least something out of it, this guy knows it's going to me and they're not just taking my money and taking my songs. Because a lot of times you lose all your rights to your own music. I own all the rights to my music. Um, and when you go to a record label, you got to sign all that stuff over. And then, you know, they got away. They're the machine. They know how to promote it, which is great. I, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that record labels are all evil and they're not. Right, right, right. They're all struggling like everything. You know, it's sure. not like it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But but at this point in the game, my my mindset is just keep it in house um, and just, you know, I'm not going to go out there and break break my balls for somebody else. To me, like these bands, they sign with these record labels and it's like, but yet then the band is still doing all the social media. The band is still doing all the advertising. Uh, the band members half the time are still booking the gigs. It's like, then why are we giving these guys a cut of what exactly. we're doing? Just to say I'm I'm on blah, blah, blah records. Screw that. You exactly. know what I'm saying? No, it's not well, worth that, it. That's, you, that's uh, perfect. You just said it perfectly. And they don't realize they owe them the money back. So it's like, oh, you need new ties for Christine? Okay, sure. Well, we'll get you the ties. But when you make that five grand, now you got to give that back to them first. They want, they're going to recoup their money first. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even, you know, leave it, you know, that people are saying, even musicians, you know, when you own that stuff, it's right. like changing oil and, you know, you got to change. You go on tour for two weeks, you got to change oil in a generator, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, and it's a cheap oil now, like, you know, crazy eye. So, anyways. There you go. So let me ask you a question, Lonnie. You like to play games? Um, <laughs> are you talking about video games or are you talking about uh, mental mental games? Mental games. I got a game I play on my show with some of my guests. I do it once in a while. I have the uh, the yes and no game or the choose game. I was going to play the choose game with you if you're interested. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. So okay, I'm going to I'm going to give you two choices. Okay. You have mm -hmm. to pick one or the other. You can explain okay. your answer if you want to, but you don't have to. But you can't say okay. pass or you can't be wishing. you got to pick one or the other if you have to, okay? Okay. All right, so here we go with the first one. You ready? Just end the song or fade out? Just end the song. Okay. The 80s are over. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Hey, that's a good quick story. A quick story on me. Guys. When I got, when I got to, uh, uh, Called to do a Jack Russell's Great, Great White. I had like literally like one week to learn all the songs, you know. Right. And uh, 
And so I had to learn a song, but I learned them off the, the I had to learn them off the, uh, the, the records. records, right? And, and they all fade out. Well, so <laughs> yeah. I didn't know when I learned these songs, but then when I had to go look, all of the uh, Tony Cardenas uh, came pick me up, and we went down for the first show and stuff like that. Right. But on the way down, I go, well, I figured we're just going to bash out the end of the songs. Go, no, we have these nope. these endings that we have to do. Oh yeah, these big crescendos <laughs> and triple yeah. triple stop yeah, endings. Exactly. <laughs> These eclectic things. So literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, it was an eight-hour trip. We were heading down, uh, uh, down to the Gulf Coast or whatever. <laughs> and so I had to go on YouTube and watch them play and learn these with my earbuds you in, you on YouTube on my phone and learn these endings of your song and oh all these my God. eclectic. And, and you know what, though? I'm so proud of myself. I fucking nailed it. And this was and in a week you had to do this, you said, right? Like a week. No, I, I had to learn the songs in a week. I had to learn the endings within like two or three hours on the way to the show. <laughs> I knew the song. It's fucking you wild. Know? And the thing is, but I, I was going, well, maybe they just end up. Yeah. No, they had these eclectic. So I had to learn all these songs, and I did you it. You can do it. Like right, also right. the bass player would be, and somebody else do something, and then yeah, I stab, yeah. stab, stab, and blah, blah, blah. But I did it. So anyways, oh, I, that's man. why I'm big on the endings, not no no fade outs. <laughs> that's <laughs> and it's funny you said it because I'll, I'll talk, remind me to talk to you when we're off and we're not recording them about something I got coming up. That we're trying yeah. to do. We're trying to straight. We're trying. I got a song coming out. And we're trying to uh, stay traditional for like seventies type music. So we're fading it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's. And then I got like eighteen tracks, and I got I got to put the volume uh, envelope on each track. I'm like, this sucks. We should just end it. <laughs> it's like, give me a break. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, here <laughs> we go. Black Sabbath or Led Zeppelin? Black Sabbath. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm a huge Zeppelin fan, but if I got to choose, I go Black Sabbath. All right. I don't know who fucking gave me these index cards. Maracas or Triangle? Uh, I think Maracas. <laughs> at least you can hit somebody with them if you had to if you got mad. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way he thinks. Ribs or Chili? Oh, ribs, definitely. Especially the Memphis ribs. That's what I'm awesome. Boy from Memphis. He likes ribs. Sayonara or adios? Adios. <laughs> uh, how about the odd couple or the honeymooners? Man, I don't know either of them, but you know the odd couple. I like the concept, but uh, uh, I like that concept. The honeymooners is nah, you know, it's, you know, obviously, you know, before right. time and stuff. But. The odd couple. All right. The honeymooners, I got a kick out of them too because they filmed that whole show in like one room. You know what I'm saying? It was amazing. The, di- <laughs> the dialogue was incredible. It kept you so that every week it was the same fucking room, the same scenery. All right. How about Faith No More or Red Hot Chili Peppers? Uh, Faith No More. Ah, cool. Very cool. Um, boxers or briefs? You know what? I got both of them, and it depends what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Or who I'm gonna, He's a man or of who many moods. Either that or who I'm going to see. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. So it, it depends. But you got to. Right, if you. I right, see. Here we go. Here's one. You said you have both. And okay. But if you could only pick one, you're going to be on a deserted island now forever. Boxes or briefs? You got to pick one. Well, I'd say boxers because you know briefs look kind of funny walking on the beach. These boxers look like some kind of swimming trunks or something. Yeah, that's true. And, and they had that easy access little button in front there, rather than the, you know, the, it's it's just much easier, easier access. Let's put it that way. There you go. He's a thinking man. 
Um, oh, here's a good one. Stage or studio? Um, studio uh, at the point that I'm at right now, just because I just love writing stuff. Okay. Yeah, I'm at that stage now, too, my, my, my life. I, I, like I said, I've had this conversation with a million other bands. It's like, and especially, like, stage, like, a lot of these bands, they're so happy that they're playing out. But to me, to drive an hour and a half to play at some bar in front of six people, including the sound man and the bartender, I'm not interested. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather yeah, be in the like, studio and just create music. Man, so many places, you'd rather step in dog shit. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken or fish? Um, this is a, it's a tough one there. Um, if I had to eat the rest of my life, kind of deal. Uh, you gotta, yeah. you can rationalize it however you need uh, to. I know you're a Memphis okay. boy and you like your ribs, but uh, I tell you what, I, w- I will say, I will say, uh, a chicken because see, there's more parts to a chicken. I love chicken wings, you know, okay. hot wings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that. You know, plus, you know, what guy doesn't like a breast? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> actually, I'm, a, I'm a, in, in, in all actuality, I'm a, I'm a thigh guy, but, you know, you get a nice ass, you know, that's, that's what, you know, guys like. And, but, so you get the breast and thigh. So, and, and the wings. <laughs> I remember the joke as a kid, you used to call up, we used to prank call people, you know, how big are your breasts? It's good. I got, oh, is this Kentucky Fried Chicken? <laughs> you know, we used to as a kid. All right, so you said chicken, right? Yeah. All right. We got a couple more here. Uh, Danny DeVito or Al Pacino? Mm. I would say Al. You know, Danny's a little, little, little um, I don't know, he just, just kind of always rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> okay. How about sweet or salty? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> What's so What's funny about that? What's her name? What's her name? No, uh, <laughs> yeah. I would say sweet. <laughs> uh, I'm a salty. I'd rather chips over candy. Yeah. Uh, Megadeth or Metallica? Um, actually, I would have to probably say... Mm, if you listen to the show, you know how I feel about this. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I'm a big... I, I actually... Uh, it, I would say Megadeth. Really? Wow. Yeah. I'm not I a like fan of Megadeth. I've gotten yeah. a lot of heat for that, but I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm entitled to my opinion. Go ahead. Well, yeah. no, it's good. I mean, um, it, it's just, I guess it, it's the underdog thing for me. Okay. You know, and that's that's what it is. It, you know, uh, it's difficult, but um, I also think that uh, it's more of an underdog thing for me. Yeah. Because, you know? I mean, he, got, he had a... Uh, I mean, poor guy, the shit he had to go through, and then, you know, I mean, look how huge Metallica is. Right. I mean, it's, you know, and I guess I just went for the underdog. Yeah, that's that's my... my I always I've, I always felt bad, because, I mean, you know, even as a kid, you know, in, in high school and stuff, it's like, Megadeth, I probably like maybe two or three songs. I mean, this is a huge thing on my... This is a big platform for me on my show. Yeah. It's like, Megadeth, like, I appreciate, like, two or three songs, but, like... I never liked Dave Mustaine singing. I never liked the attitude. I just, I don't know. I, I never got it. Is yeah, my I mean, I, I, look, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. But like I said, my, my point is just the underdog thing. Because I just think that, you know, I, I feel that he was done wrong. But, uh, 
Right. You know, but I'll be honest with you. Like, well, Metallica actually Metallica dumped so quite a few people movies. before they made it. You know, there was a couple of other guys that they just bass plays. They just dumped these guys. Really? Okay, I don't know that that much about it. But, yeah. So. Hey, you hear me say about about? It's almost like my Northern Michigan accent came out. It's I know funny. All about, about it, it. It's funny <laughs> you just said that. You know what the next question is? Yeah. Do you say what is it? Do you say reverb or reverb? I, I can't reverb. believe you just said that about how you pronounce something. That's fucking wild. Mm-hmm. Reverb yeah. or reverb? It, it's reverb to me. Okay, so you'd say add more reverb. I yeah, guess the Brooklyn in me, we, we, you know, it's like, yeah, throw some reverb on that. You would say dog, dog. Dog, yeah. Dog and Dawn. Yeah. That's my manager, my manager's sister's name, Dawn. She goes, Dawn. And she goes, hey, let the dog go, dog. <laughs> dog. I let the dog go. And it pops right out. That's fucking well, you get, wild, you get, you get though. The, you, you give it away, but you know I am good that way. I, I'm, I'm 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 telepathic. That was pretty cool. I was, you talking about how to pronounce things, and that was the next the next index card was that. Wow! I always say <laughs> you know, reverb, not reverb. All right, cool. The, awesome, awesome questions. Thank you. How about okay? We got three more to go here. Comedy yeah. or drama? Comedy all the way. <laughs> when you ride as much in a tour bus as I do, you can't watch a drama movie in a bus. It's all about the stupid comedies because there's too much shit going on to follow some kind of story plot. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. I mean? so, so when you're when you're touring around for hours at a time, you can't sit there and watch, you know. You don't watch your murder uh, mystery. She's right? list or something, you know, whatever. That's going to get her for the you, next show, right? Yeah, you know, you got you to you go for the, the you know, uh, uh, the Starsky and Hutch or like the Ben Stiller movies. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, Starsky and Hutch, little huggy bear. There you go. <laughs> How about Rob Zombie or Martin Scorsese? As far as directors go, I guess this is. Well, I say uh, I appreciate Rob Zombie. Yeah. You know, I just, uh, I think that <clears throat> super talented dude and um, uh, a true artist. I agree. Last one we got. Burgers or burritos? What was the first word? Uh, burgers. You know, oh, I, burgers. Hamburgers okay, or burritos? <sighs> what is the tough ones here? Um, yeah. I am... I, they're equally to me, but I, I'll say... With fajita, I mean these fajita type burritos, which are fantastic to die for. So I'll, I'm gonna go with the, I'm gonna go with the, uh, the burritos. Yeah, kind of cool. Stuff. I'm a, you, I can eat cheeseburger and fries the rest of my life. I love it. But now, if you start introducing Mexican food, I'm in on that. I love it. Definitely. All right. So that was the choose game, and I appreciate. Thank you for playing. You did a very good, uh, very good job there. Man, that was fun. Awesome. Yeah, I, just, I appreciate the, the being involved in that game. Well, when we Anytime. get off the show, just give me your address because we got lots of prizes we're going to send to your house. All right. Well, as long as they're blonde or brunette, I'm good with it. <laughs> no, I love when you go, like, you watch those game shows like Price is Right. These people like yeah. live in apartments and they're winning like boats and like barbecue pit <gasps> equipment. It's like, what the fuck are they supposed to do with this shit? You know what I'm saying? The guy makes like 18 grand a year as a school teacher and he lives in an apartment in a tenement house and he won a boat. You know, it's like, what the fuck are you going to do with this shit? <laughs> you know, and it's like dining room set. It's like the guy lives in a two room apartment. Mm-hmm. Hey, park oh, in man. front of his apartment building and put some dirt in and grow some flowers or something. <laughs> All right. So we're going to play another song here. Um, when we first started off the show, I asked you to pick a couple of songs. You pick uh, World's Gone Black. Well, um, what, what could you tell us about that? 
Well, once again, you know, you go through life and, um, and there's a lot of bad people out there and there's a lot of good people. And it would come down to uh, Kim and I, my manager, Kim, we started brainstorming and, you know, we were thinking that, you know, it seemed like that, you know, the end of the world is near, you know, I mean, just a lot, it always just feels that way. I mean, it depends on what the decades you're living in different ways. But so we, we come up with this little concept and we figured, um, and we got to, uh, together with Brasco, we figured this little concept out that, um, and it stems from the cephalopod video. It just goes from cephalopod video into world's gone black and, you know, the hammer, which is Lonnie hammer. And I get on my spaceship. And the reason is because the cephalopod is actually considered one of the newest creatures on the face of earth. They actually think it's this DNA is, isn't from earth. It's like alien type thing. Okay, cool. So we brought the cephalopod <clears throat> um, idea that they're actually aliens and are a lot smarter than people, you know, give them credit for. And so then that's why I brought the spaceship in and, and then for me going over to the Lonsterdamus bowl, it's almost like the, you know, Nostradamus uh, uh, thing and see into the future, see what people are doing and the ones that are doing some good things, the spaceship comes and they're able to ride a spaceship and, uh, and uh, leave the world the world before it destructs, you know. And that's basically what it is. It's such a cool, and you actually actually have to watch the video, you know, probably three or four times to catch every nuance what's going on. But you watch closely. There's a lot of stuff. And um, you know, um, we got you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm the hammer. I'm Lonnie Hammer, or whatever. I'm the space goods. It's, uh, you know, spaceship guy. And then, you know, we got John Lacan from Evanescence is our guitar player and he's the one that's playing on the street. And then we got, uh, you know, uh, 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 the beast. He's the one that saves the the dog at the end of the, um, uh, in the video. And, and then John Lacan also too, he's, you know, he's a, a guitar player, but he gives the money to uh, a homeless guy, which is the other guitar player and a like, struggling guy. And then and he gives the money to a, a police, I mean, a, a fireman, which actually is um, uh, my cousin plays the fireman. And they go in to save Dover, which is my drummer, sitting there. And then Dover uh, saves Daniel, Very my cool. bass player, right. and from getting hit by a car, and it's ongoing like that. And then those are the ones, the guys in a band gets saved and get spaceships, or there's hammered down hard, you know, leaves the earth while everybody else gets, you know, <laughs> destroyed. But it's basically a good and bad type of thing, you know, right. there's a lot of good thing in people, and I think it needs to be recognized that there's a lot of great things in the world, and not everything is negative. So, so this is why I like to... When I have the musicians on the show here, I love like to, for you to give the background on the song, because you know a lot of people like you know oh yeah I like that song you know it's it's got a really cool beat the guitar solo rips it's like dude there's so much more to this than that you know it goes so much deeper than that there's there's underlying yeah, I, stories you know yeah absolutely you know like the brass the, the, the director the brasco you put in you know because I mean the evil part not to say the evil part but he passes envelope between from one person to the next and. It basically, there's so much payoff, or whatever. We don't even know what's in the envelope, but whatever right, it is, right, might right. Be secret might be KFC's secret recipe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but the past envelope, but everybody got. It might be Marcella Wallace's soul from Pulp Fiction. You don't know. There you go. So I mean, you have to go go through it, and it's it's you know it goes through the politics, religion, right. 
regular stuff. So, I mean, it's just, you have to watch it three or four times. I actually get the whole, every nuance that's going on. But right. I think, I personally think that, you know, the, uh, the Brasco, myself and Kim, it turned out genius. I think that it was, yeah. it turned out fantastic. Um, I would never want to do a video like that again because it's so entailing and so much work and so yeah. many different shots and yep. you know extras and it's just a lot and a of thousand work. times more than you see went on the cutting room floor you know absolutely yeah, so yeah. but you know it was it's it's uh, definitely a crown jewel for uh, myself and everybody is involved so right. uh, I hope everybody enjoys you know uh, the song and check out the video on YouTube very cool very cool. So without any further ado, we're going to play now World's Gone Black.
right. So, Lonnie, let me ask you a question. You've been around the block like I have a couple of times. Uh, what do you think is the biggest difference between music, how it's done now, and from, say, 20 years ago? Do you see a big difference? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> back in the day, you know, you had to, you know, earn, earn a lot of money and create a lot of money to get in a studio to do some recording. And that was something really special. Nowadays, you know, everybody got their own studios and doing some stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of demo type of stuff out there. Um, so I think the quality has gone down. But with that said, there's a lot of um, people that never made it to the big studios in the past that probably should have earned some major credibility because they were great songwriters just because they didn't have deep pockets or whatever. So um, it, it, it nowadays you get it's the, the, the industry is oversaturated because there's a lot of crappy yes, stuff out time. there yep but there's a lot of stuff and a lot of opportunity for people that didn't have or don't have a lot of money to get some of their music out there and get discovered by you know fans out that like that type of music so right. uh, th that's why i think the biggest difference is i think is the i think is that I mean, look, there's so you know, there's a small percentage of really good bands that actually get out there and they've got some really, really good music and it gets oversaturated. So I think, um, but then just, it, I don't get that. I'll just have to say this here is there's some bands that I think that get really big and they don't deserve it because I don't know if it's just, uh, uh, because they went viral or something right. that are totally not talented and they did something stupid right and and get viral where there's actually true artists out there that that um maybe haven't been so fortunate or as lucky but but it, look that's that's the main difference i just think that nowadays it's a good opportunity for the novice to get out there and get their stuff out but it's funny what you say and again i mean people who follow my show they know i'm to me, with this stuff, you should. Know, I'm not apologetic. You have your opinion. You like something, you don't like something. You know what I'm saying? I like Metallica. I don't like Rush. I'm not going to apologize for that shit. You know what I'm saying? You like what you like. But what I notice now is on the rise is this. Um, there's actually a name for it, and I can't think of it right now. There's this music that's out there that is actually like shit, weird performance art music, and like it's got a it's got a big following. Like people follow this stuff, like music that like you and I who toil over every little note and every little nuance and make sure it comes out exactly right. These guys are putting mm -hmm. out just like, you know, dissonant chords, horrible singing that we would never think of putting on it. You know, it's like, and they're putting mm -hmm. it out and they're getting followers, you know, yeah, it's like, it's like weirdo it's, stuff. I don't know what you would call it. Yeah. That's well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So yeah. Bingo. <laughs> and it's funny though. It's like, you, you look at these bands, you know, like I said, that, the recording quality is incredible. The song is, you know, intelligent. The musicianship is beyond compare. And they got like, you know, 30 people like following them on Spotify. And then it's this other band that's like, you know, you know, uh, Puss Pockets. And, you know, they got like, you know, screaming, yelling, weird old chords. The guitar's not even fucking tuned. And they got like 1,200 followers, you know? Well, I guess the guys that... Um, uh... <laughs> they're spending their time on social media grasping in doing that where the, the artists that good artists are actually what they're doing is creating they're spending their time creating good music not sitting on right, know, right 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 so. 
that's that's my thought. But. Right. Which also I'm the type of too. It's like I've been doing some collaborations with other artists, and I'm a big believer in let's do the best we could do and make it happen. But I will not. I I hate when I deal with some other musicians and they're like, you know, we're almost ready to, you know, we're going to upload it to DistroKid and get it out there. I was thinking maybe the drums on the third verse. Uh, all right, stop. You know, I mean, it's like they want to keep rethinking it and redoing it and rethinking it. And it's like, dude, you know what? It's good. Just put it out already. That I can't, that stuff I can't stand neither too. You know, they're looking for that actual, the, that, you know, the nirvana of perfectionism, you know, it's like, dude, that's not going to happen. Let's just put this out already. Yeah. Nobody likes anything that's, you know, a hundred percent. Why do you think the mountains are so popular? The ocean and they're imperfect. Exactly. You know? Yes. 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 And, uh, you know, so, I mean, you sit there and you can, you know, you music should be captured. That's why seventies music is really good is because it captured the, you go, man, I, he's, it, it sounds a little out of tune or this little bit, this nuance here is imperfect. And that's, you're capturing music should be capturing the moment, not being completely machine. Like, right. You know? I will not do cut and paste. Like when I do my music, I'll play the whole song through. You know, a lot of people will get that verse and that chorus down perfect and then just cut and paste it the rest of the way through. Then you get that machine sound, like, you know what I'm saying? I like the little nuance. Well, maybe I didn't quite hit that chord exactly right, but that sounds natural, you know? Mm-hmm. Or you change, change it up a little bit to, to build a crescendo towards the end. So you, right. You can't do that if you're cutting and pasting. It's got to be have a crescendo right. to it. My, my, son's, my son's friend's band, they come and record here, too, and... I'm sitting and hanging out. I'll have a couple of beers and I promise I'm going to keep my mouth shut. You know what I'm saying? And the yeah. kids, they're all hanging out. They're late. Yeah, yeah I can't help it. They're all laying their tracks. And I'm like, so I'll tell my son, I'm like, Joey, so like, um, you're going to take that like feedback from the guitar out right before the song starts. He goes, no, why? I'm like, cause it's annoying as hell. Like the guitar don't come in for like 30 seconds and you got this, you know, feedback over everything else, he's like, no, it's, it's like, I'm, I don't know. It's like two different trains of thought. To me, I want it to be a little more polished. They want it to be more like off the cuff, you know? Uh-huh. Right on. Huh? I'm like, all right, huh? it's your song. Do what you want to do. Me my drive me nuts. <laughs> I want to like pull my hair out of my fucking head. Yeah, I get it. But then, but then again, they get you know fifty thousand hits on it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? They're thinking his stuff. Like, they're well, thinking mine sucks. I'm like, okay. So listen, before we get too far gone here, um, what do you guys got going on now? Are you coming out with anything new? I mean, I know a lot of people are probably, you know, dying for something new. Um, yes and no. Um, a couple things. Uh, we're working on a new video. Okay. Um, we haven't started. We talked about it. me and Brasco talked about it. Me and manager Kim talked about it. We got footage from the tour last summer, and uh, we're going to be putting out a new music video. So fixing depending on you know the holidays are coming on and everybody's busy doing that thing so i would say that probably our first year we're going to start working on a new video which is probably going to be for the song wakefield um it's a lighter song lighter song i got but people love it and uh the, mot the motif of the footage i think will be fit great for the song um and uh you know the next show that um we have booked is uh, i think in january uh, i don't know the exact date but it's going to be in hollywood california for the metal hall of fame induction it's the gala um hammered on heart will be playing that very cool awesome. and um so you know it's <laughs> i find it funny you know 
it's going to be kind of nerve wracking because I'll be playing in front of my peers. But I mean, some of the peers, I mean, look, these are people like Ronnie James Deal was inducted into it. And like uh, Dom Air, Don Aries from, you know, Ozzy's keyboard player and plays a deep purple. But, uh, and, you know, you get all these drummers in there, like, you, you know, Carmen Apice and, and, and all these people inducted. Yeah. So I'll be playing in front of these like super legend people oh, sure. and playing my, you know, playing my songs in front of them and going, you know, I hope you like it. It's newer. And so that's going to be a little nerve wracking, but uh, I'm excited about it um, uh, and nervous about it all at the same time. But we've got that going on. Uh, I plan on going to studio. I've talked to, uh, uh, how can I put this? Uh, pretty, pretty damn big star. And I'm going to collaborate with him and we're going to do something uh uh, totally unique and different. Uh, I want to branch out as far as my creativity. So um, we're doing some, uh, he and I talked and we're going to do something pretty cool. So, and other than that, I just want to just enjoy, look, it's kind of nice, you know, only good thing out of the COVID stuff that hit is I was able to take a break and be told I can't play out or I can't do this. So to to rest and maybe hit the reset button. Um, so, but that's basically what I got going on. New video coming out and uh, uh, playing Hollywood and then uh, working on some, you know, a new song with uh, collaborating with a new person. So Very it's all cool. good. And as far as social media goes, we can find you on what? Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You want all of that usual stuff? Yeah, we're, yeah, just look up Hammerdown Hard, just Google us or whatever you want to do. And, you know, we're out there just like everybody. You can get the stuff. Um, you know, it's no different than anybody. Easy to find. Right. Lonnie, I want to thank you so much, man. I'm so glad that I finally got to meet you and talk to you. I'm a huge fan. Like I said, anybody who knows me, you know, I'm a New Yorker. I don't blow smoke up nobody's skirt. You know what I'm saying? I ain't bullshitting nobody. I love your music. It's fucking awesome, man. And man, thank you. People out there, check it out, man. Lonnie Hammer, Hammer Down Hard. You guys, if you haven't checked them out, you better check them out soon. Follow them on uh, Spotify for sure. Lonnie, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Spike. Totally my pleasure. And uh, man, great to hear. Great, great talk to. Uh, great to talk to another Yankee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And again, when you get when this next video comes out, you got to come back on the show, and we got to talk about the new video. Right on. Sounds like a good plan, my friend. All right. Everybody, thank you for listening. I can't believe we're up to episode 45. Thank you so much. Listen, be kind to one another. Be tolerant. Peace.